Hi, my name is Nikki. My name is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Bed Crime Crime Stories, Stories. a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. Hi, everybody. So things are going to sound a little different today because um, our fearless leader, she's Mm -hmm. not our fearless leader. (laughs) She's editing this, rolling her eyes right now, uh, saying, yes, yes, I am your fearless leader. Um, Jovi is not here tonight. She is on vacay, so it is just Nikki and I fending for ourselves, which should be interesting, Mm because Jovi's the one who keeps us in line, so this is going to be a a real trial by fire, I think, for the two of us, so. Hi, Jovi. Hi, Jovi. You're editing this now, and we miss you. I hope you're having fun. On vacay. On the vacay. On the vacay. On the vacay. I was saying. What? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, we're all going to be on vacay soon. We're just taking rotations. We are actually taking rotations. Well, I was on kind of a vacay last week. It wasn't really like actual vacay. I was on a work trip out of state last week, which was really fun. And I got on a plane for the first time in over 10 years. And it went well. And it went well. I'm here. So we can imagine that it went well. Right. Uh, But yeah, no, it was it was a good trip. Um, And then, yeah, so Jovi's on vacation this week. Nikki, you're on vacation next week. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I have a vacation coming up in December. So we are recording this right now about mid-November. I have a vacation coming up in December. Taking time off. I'm not sure if we're going anywhere yet, but I'm hoping that the boyfriend and I will get to plan a little, um, even if it's just a couple of days out of the house, just to kind of get out of town for a couple of days. So that'd be nice. But tis the season for vacays. Mm -hmm. So it's very exciting. Especially after being locked in the house for what feels like Forever. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of nice because last year we had planned, um, we had booked a trip to go to St. Augustine for Christmas. And we wound up canceling Mm -hmm. because that was when that first, like that winter resurgence happened last year. So we wound up canceling the trip and I was super disappointed. (laughs) Um, But I think this year, if we do wind up going anywhere, even if it's just to like Orlando or like I said, just to get out of the town for a couple of days and... I don't know. Change of scenery. Um, maybe my sister can come down and watch the dog. I, I don't know. Just like you're like hint, 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 person two rooms away from here. Maybe you're hearing me while I'm saying this. Oh no, I meant a hint um, to your sister oh, when she listens. Oh to no, this. she'll be fine because oh, okay. <laughs> it's kind of a mini vacation for her too. She can get out of the house, come hang out with, with oh. the dog for a little bit. But mm-hmm. I'm hint hinting to him so that way maybe we'll book something and go away somewhere. But. But anyway, I guess it's time for us to get things started. And uh, I'm going to turn things over to Nikki to read us our true crime headlines. So I actually have three picked out. So I'm just going to like blindly pick one. Ooh, I like that. Because I always just pick multiples just in case we have similars. I like that. So my first one is going to be from Fox 11, Los Angeles. Ooh. Um, This was published uh, 11-9. So yesterday, mm-hmm. for us yesterday, for us yesterday, for, for you, you about a month ago. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit of a long, like long time ago. Yeah. yeah, you know what the hell I'm saying. You know what we're saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So the very first article is going to be LAPD issues community alert on follow home robberies. Mm. The LAPD is warning residents to be extra mindful and on guard after a recent spike of robberies across Los Angeles. 
Uh, the police department is alerting residents of an ongoing trend of follow home robberies, Creepy. saying suspects have been locating victims before following them and committing the robberies as the victim arrives home or at their business. Mm. So, a little scary. It that says, is scary. Yeah. It says authorities say victims have uh, been followed from places such as the Jewelry District of Los Angeles, nightclubs, and high-end restaurants, and along Melrose Avenue. Interesting. Yeah. So it's yeah, saying, that's scary. It says that um, they target... Um, people with expensive jewelry, mm-hmm. including watches, necklaces, as well as expensive purses. Yeah. And this is why I'm thankful that my purse is like 20 bucks. <laughs> you know, yeah, just kidding. I just can't afford. <laughs> Let's be real. It's um, really not about the personal safety. It's really not about it's the personal finances, whatever it is. Yes. Um, so... We're just going to go with this one. I was going to say, Nikki's literally closing her eyes and pointing and shooting. I'm just like, mm, which one do I want? So the other one that I'm going to do is actually from 1110, which is today. today. For you, it's a month ago. <laughs> so it's going to be from USA Today. And this um, states, oh, I, I hate when things pop up when I'm trying. Yeah, like we're trying to read, to read this. It was, it was in regards to the new Dexter, which I'm actually very excited i watched the first episode did you i don't have showtime i have to have I, to watch it i did and so yeah. i was like my boyfriend put it on and at first i was like is that dexter and he goes no it's matt damon and i said oh okay and then he's like it's fucking dexter and i was like bro <laughs> um but anyways because it like it on usa today it's like recommended next right right, 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 right. but the reason it recommended dexter is because Suspected serial killer connected to six murders in Missouri and Kansas police say. Mm. A man who is facing federal firearm charges may be responsible for at least six deaths in Kansas and Missouri earlier this year, which investigators say appear to have been random acts. Wow. Which those are the type that freak me out the fucking most. So creepy. I know. It's so scary. I know. It says Perez Reed at 25, whom the FBI called a suspected serial killer, was arrested Friday at a train station in Independence, Missouri, with a loaded uh, 40 caliber semi-automatic pistol, which federal authorities said he used in at least some of the killings. Jeez. And then um, St. Louis County uh, Craig Longworth um, added uh, that they seem to be just random acts. So there's no, nothing that links them. Right. And that's like, that's when we were doing, when I did the episode about Israel Keys, like the same type of thing where yeah. it was just, it's totally random. I don't have a particular type of person I'm looking for. I don't have a particular area that I'm targeting. That makes it so scary. It is very scary. Ugh, so creepy. So that is what my true crime headlines are this week. Wow. Yes. Thanks. You're welcome. Creeperific. I know. One, I, mean, I guess I should have done that one first, but I blindly picked which one I was doing. Yeah. So. Okay. But Charlie. So tonight's bad crime story. Now, you might not know it by the name of our victim, but you may know the story as I start telling the story. Uh, because unfortunately, it's not by the victim that we really usually identify this crime. It's usually by the circumstances surrounding the crime itself. Ooh. So um, this is going to be the story of the murder of Scott Amador. And my sources are, of course, Wikipedia. Um, an article by um, from Medium.com and mm. then an episode of the Netflix original show Trial by Media. And it was episode one called The Talk Show Murder. 
<gasps> I think I know this one. Probably you do. Okay. Um, so I'm in ready. the early yes, I'm ready. I am ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Sorry. So in the early '90s, there was no more toxic entertainment than that of daytime talk shows. So mm-hmm. of course you had like Geraldo and Ricky Lake, Sally Jesse Raphael, and of course Jerry Springer. Right. Who's Wait, like the king of all of them. You missed the other one that I love. Who? Maury. I do love Maury. Like, that is, like, my... I do love Maury um, a lot. I was always a big fan of Maury. Um, who was my favorite, though? Like, Montel. Literally, Montel was my favorite. Literally 10 years old being like, you are the father! Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a big fan of Montel, personally. Oh, okay. He was he was one of my faves. And actually, I will say, though, of all of them, Ricky Lake was my favorite. Mm. Because I was, I've was i always been a Ricky Lake fan, like, with Hairspray and, like, oh. being a child actress. Yeah. I always really enjoyed her. Um so she was always my go Ricky, go Ricky. I love Ricky Lake. Um, and one of these talk shows that dominated the airwaves during this time was the Jenny Jones show. <gasps> mm. So Jenny Jones came on the air in 1991. And originally when Jenny Jones first kind of came on the scene, it was meant to be more like an Oprah like show. So a little bit more serious, more serious content, um, a traditional talk show. But after two seasons, the ratings were much lower than her competition. So they started to make it a little bit more sensational, right? So gone were those serious subjects and in came makeover specials, feuding neighbors, and like crazy guest fights that, you know, these shows are famous for. The Jenny Jones show also embraced what was called ambush television. So ambush television was a strategy used on live TV where guests would be put in (gasps) stressful situations on the spot in front of cameras for content and shock value. Like anxiety. Yes. Like like it's that like it's the entertainment from watching other people like squirm. I actually have to change the channels when that happened. too. (laughs) Because it stresses me out out. watching other people. Correct. You know what else I can't watch is prank calls. Really? Yes. It totally bothers me. I hate prank calls. Like crank yankers or like um, if it's happening on like a radio show. Oh, I see, hate it. I, so I'm not a fan of those, but there is like um, a couple people on TikTok who do like when the people call them mm. and like try to scam them Stress and then they'll sit there out. they'll sit there and have full on conversations and I'm just like. I can't do it. it, it I don't know why it stresses me out. Totally. Those I ones I like. I can't do it. But I agree, though, like when it's those type of things where like I'm purposely putting you in a position to feel uncomfortable. Can't watch it. Don't yeah, like it. Can't I get like it. secondhand embarrassment, too, mm-hmm. from people. Mm-hmm. So the Jenny Jones show took on the strategy by doing segments where the guests would reveal dark secrets. They would do the paternity test, very similar to Maury. They would love that. Reveal secret affairs and secret crushes. <gasps> yeah. So that's where we're kind of, I'm going to kind of, I set up the mood here, which of course I'm sure a lot of you guys know kind of now where we're going with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I will turn to the, um, the people who we are going to be I thought you were going to say, and now we're turning to Nikki and I was going to be it's, like, <laughs> yes. Exactly. Now back to Nikki in the studio. <laughs> um, so Scott Amador was born on January 26, 1963 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He lived a pretty normal childhood. He was actually from a very large family. Um, and dropping after dropping out of high school, he joined the Army and he worked as a satellite communicator. 
And then later, Scott wound up working as a bartender. He loved to get to meet new and interesting people. When Scott was still serving in the army, he came out to his family as gay and everyone in his family was incredibly supportive of him. Because so, this was, he came out probably 80s? In the 80s, yeah. yeah. So the fact that like, his, even um, watching the episode on Netflix, they were interviewing his brother and he said, even my father was very open to Scott coming out and That's was very awesome. accepting of him. And he was, you know, it was nothing that we were, you know, it was never a challenge in the family. Yeah. So, in 1995, outside of his apartment complex, Scott meets 24-year-old Jonathan Schmitz through their mutual friend, Donna Riley. So, Donna also lived in the same building as Scott, um, and at this point, they all live in Michigan. And Scott was immediately attracted to Jonathan, and he knew he wanted to get him to get to know him a little bit better. So he asked Donna whether or not Jonathan was gay, but she actually just responded to Scott and said that she wasn't sure. So up to this point, she had only known Jonathan to date women, but none of his relationships had ever worked out. And his family had even asked him a few times if he was possibly gay. So I don't know if it was just his behavior, his supposed failed Uh, relationships or what but apparently this was something that supposedly was part of the conversation who knows so soon after meeting jonathan scott saw an advertisement on the jenny jones show asking for guests who were interested in revealing same-sex crushes on the show and this was 91 95 95 95 i don't know where i got 91 from Jeez, <laughs> just picking dates out of the air. Numbers. Numbers, numbers. Um, so on March 6th, 1995, Scott and Donna sit on the stage at the at the Jenny Jones show. And Scott starts to explain about his crush on Jonathan. So he talks about how he first met Jonathan, as well as some of the fantasies that he had. Uh-huh. Um, so Scott first saw Jonathan while he was working on Donna's car. So he only saw, he said, the bottom half of his body from underneath the vehicle. But he said he was attracted to him immediately so jenny jones then asked scott to describe some of his fantasies that he had about jonathan so scott mentions that there would be something along the lines of champagne and whipped cream so after their short interview jonathan was invited out on stage and his initial reaction you could tell he like wasn't sure whether it was donna or scott that so he was told that it was going to be a secret crush reveal that somebody was bringing him on the show because they had a secret Mm. crush all the producer ever said to him was like, they never said who it was. They said mm-hmm. it might even be somebody of the same sex. That's all they said. There was never any indication oh. that it was definitely a same-sex crush reveal. So he walks out and he's kind of, you could tell he was a little confused, like, what's going on here? So he gave the two of them a hug. This hug with Scott was kind of awkward. And he sits down. Once he sits, Jenny Jones tells him that it was Scott who was the person with the secret crush. So he turns and looks at Scott and Donna and starts laughing and says, you guys lied to me. So there was a uh, air of him kind of being a good sport about it. Um, He was kind of like, you could tell he was laughing uncomfortably. Mm -hmm. Um, Jenny Jones winds up playing back the footage from earlier in the episode of Scott describing his fantasies. And Jonathan's just sitting there with like this excessive smile on his face, kind of like trying to (laughs) like laugh through it. But like I said, it seemed like he was being a good sport about everything. So once Jonathan watched the footage, he says, but I am definitely heterosexual. So that was kind of it. That was the end of it. Yeah. So uh, after the taping, the three of them leave, they go and get drinks and dinner and then fly home together to Michigan on March 9th. 1995, only three days after the taping of the show, 
Jonathan finds a construction light sitting by his door of his house with a note attached to it from Scott saying, quote, you have the right tools to turn this on, implying a (gasps) sexual proposition. And um, allegedly it was at this exact moment. uh, Jonathan will later actually state in his confession that it was at this exact moment. He decided he wanted to kill Scott because he was embarrassed about what happened on the Jenny Jones show. Oh, God. Yeah. So Jonathan leaves his house, goes to the bank to withdraw some money. He drives to the store to buy ammunition and then drove to another store to buy a gun. All of the store clerks later say during his trial that he did not appear to be angry or threatening. After buying the gun and ammunition, Jonathan... See, that's the craziest is when they're like the normal. Like this is exactly how you're supposed to react in this situation. Yeah, as like, if it's normal when to it's act like, this way. To go buy a gun and be like, yeah. I'm going to lose my mind. Right, right. So after he buys the gun and the ammunition, Jonathan drives over to Scott's mobile home and he sits outside in his car kind of trying to decide what he's going to do. So he goes inside. He confronts Scott once without the gun. He then tells him he's going to go grab something from his car, returns with the shotgun, and shoots Scott twice in the chest. According to Scott's roommate Gary's testimony, Scott had lifted up a wicker chair in an attempt to try and protect himself from Jonathan and said before he was shot, Gary, help, he's got a gun. Yeah. So after Jonathan shot Scott, he drove to a local gas station where he called the police from a payphone to turn himself in and was immediately taken into custody where he gave a full recorded confession to the police. So the prosecution wanted to charge Jonathan with first degree murder, but many jurors, reporters and viewers at home felt sympathetic for Jonathan and angry at Jenny Jones and her talk show for being the catalyst for the murder. Jonathan's defense team, despite his previous confessions, argued that Jonathan had suffered from manic depression and Graves disease. And therefore, they thought that due to his fragile mental state, his feelings of humiliation from being on the show got so overwhelming, it led to his irrational and violent behavior. What is Graves disease? Um, I actually do not know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Can I can I be Jovi? Yeah, go ahead. Jovi it up. Jovi it up. Bing bong boom bong bong bing boom boom. Graves disease. Graves disease. Disease that you get. An immune system disorder of the butterfly shaped gland in the throat. So in the thyroid. The thyroid overproduces hormones. The condition is more common in women under age 40. Okay. Well, okay. So the defense team also uses the, quote, gay panic defense as part of their argument as well. So the gay (sighs) panic defense is a legal strategy in which a defendant can claim to have acted in a state of violent, temporary insanity, committing assault or murder uh, because of unwanted same-sex sexual advances. Please tell me that this is no longer a fucking thing. Oh, I will be telling you all about it in just a moment, Oh, okay. Let me just sit back and sip on my water. <laughs> the trans panic defense is a closely related strategy used in cases of assault, manslaughter, or murder of a transgender individual with whom the assailant had engaged in or was close to engaging in sexual conduct with and claimed to have been unaware that the victim was trans. Broadly, the defenses may be called the gay and trans panic defense or the LGBTQ plus panic defense, which personally is what I call it just because mm-hmm. it's all inclusive. Um, there may have there have been many attempts through legislation to ban these defense tactics on the federal level, but all the bills have died in committee. 
The most recent attempt was in April of 2021. But as of this recording of this episode, um, it still has not passed. Also, as of the recording of this episode, are you ready for this? I'm going to piss fight. you off. I'm going to fight people right now. It's going to piss you off. Are you ready? Only 16 states have banned the use of any LGBTQ plus panic defense. And I bet our state isn't one of them. Our state is not one of them. Because our correct. state is horrible. Our state is not. Um, the first. That's why it's sinking into the fucking ocean. <laughs> exactly. Um, the first state to actually put this into law or actually ban it from use was California in 2014. Somehow I knew it was going to be California. Mm-hmm. Then surprisingly um, was Illinois uh, oh. in 2017. Rhode Island followed uh, right behind in 2018. In 2019, an additional five states banned the tactic. Um, 2020, there was four states and then another four this year in 2021. So a total of only 16 states. So I calculated it last night. Only 32% of the country has banned the LGBTQ plus panic defense. So yeah, that's just some quick quick facts about the LGBTQ plus panic defense. So just a little side note from me to you guys, if... You, uh, if you have the time to, I highly recommend looking it up online. Um, I was able to look it up through the GLAAD website and also actually on Wikipedia as well, getting additional information about the defense tactic. Um, contact your local lawmakers and uh, ask for this to be something that they talk about. So Fight them. Yeah. And I, I will give Florida a tiny crumb iota percent smidgen of credit in 2021 it was presented to the state supreme court but it was turned down so at least it's a finally being part of the conversation yeah just nothing's happening with it because florida because it's florida so yeah um so anyway just a little message for me to you yeah call your call your senators congress people your lawmakers let them know you hate it because i do i hate it um to add another challenge for the prosecution team uh they were not allowed to use jonathan's recorded confessions from the payphone <gasps> or from the police station because they hadn't read him his miranda rights what that yeah. yeah now despite the fact that it was clear that jonathan had committed the crime many jurors and outside viewers felt sorry for him and saw him as someone who could be their friend brother or son also during the trial, it had come to light about the kind of family dynamic that Jonathan was raised in. So he grew up with a father who was incredibly homophobic, abrasive, and abusive towards him. Like, that's an excuse, but you know, whatever. Um, and it was stated that in a case of nature versus nurture, nurture won out. In 1996... I don't know why my eyes are getting big at you like I'm angry at you. <laughs> it's my fault. Like I'm angry at the paper. <laughs> like I did it. In 1996, Jonathan was found guilty of secondary murder and sentenced to a minimum of 25 years and a maximum of 50 years in prison. Wait, what year was he? 1996. Okay. Minimum of 25 years, maximum of 50. He attempted to get this appealed, but it was later overturned and his sentence was reinstated. In 1999, the amateur family sued the Jenny Jones show. Telepictures, who was the production company for the show, and Warner Brothers, the show's distributor. Uh, Scott's family thought that because the show was negligent in not checking Jonathan's mental stability, they were partially responsible for his murder. Um, The entire trial was covered by, of course, Accor TV. (laughs) With their gavel-to-gavel coverage. Bink, bink. Yep. 
Chung <laughs> chung. Uh, during the trial, several of the producers of the Jenny Jones show and Jenny Jones herself testified, but for the most part, no one, of course, took much responsibility for the tragedy. Jenny Jones firmly believed Scott's murder was solely because of the actions and headspace of Jonathan. Um, which I kind of agree, but yeah, I'm, I'm shaking my head. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's not me to uh, agree or disagree because it's happened already. Uh, (laughs) uh, Jenny Jones never once took responsibility for being negligent in any way or for being a catalyst in the murder. Jenny stated that someone non-consensually describing a sexual fantasy of another person with champagne and whipped cream could be, quote, exciting and not embarrassing or negligent. I mean, if it was someone that I wasn't really uh, my ho- attracted to or like a friend, I mean, it would make me uncomfortable. Well, yeah. And the whole thing is, is you're putting people in a position on purpose to make them feel uncomfortable and catch them off guard and and provide that shock value for entertainment. And you're you purposefully made them repeat the footage of what he said earlier. So that yeah. way you're putting this person on the spot. So. You're you're doing it because you know it's going to be embarrassing. You're not doing it because you think that Jonathan's going to sit up there and be like, that's so exciting and tantalizing. Like, you know that that's not what's going to happen. Yeah. Even if Jonathan was gay, it could still be incredibly embarrassing. Like, okay. Anyway, so eventually the amateur's lawyer was able to break through by explaining that Jenny Jones did not know what Jonathan's reaction would be. Right? So that turning the page my page got stuck sorry that the unknown factor of his reaction was used as a form of entertainment like i just said jenny jones didn't know if jonathan would be happy hurt embarrassed angry or all of the above which obviously he was only some of the above um after deliberation eight of the nine jurors ruled that the jenny jones show was indeed culpable the judge ruled that the defendant would award the amateur family approximately 25 million dollars in damages for scott's death But unfortunately, the family never saw a single dime from the financial settlement. Eventually, The Jenny Jones Show was canceled in 2003 after its ratings declined. The episode featuring Scott and Jonathan never aired, but you can see footage of the episode online to view. Because, of course, it was made available for the trial. And then it went public kind of afterwards. Yeah. On August 22nd, 2017... Jonathan Schmitz was released from prison on good behavior after serving only 22 years of his sentence. He turned 51 this year. Scott would have turned 59 this January. And that, my friends, is the story of the Jenny Jones murder, the death of Scott Amador, and the LGBTQ plus panic defense. Call your senators. You want to fight people? <laughs> I want to burn it to the ground. I'm going to burn it. Burn it all to the ground. I, I mean... Even still in like 20, we're going into 2022, Mm -hmm. I still feel like there is so much room for growth. Oh, God, of course. Yes, there absolutely is. It's like. There absolutely is. Yeah. We still have so far to go. We do. Yeah. So. Stop being small minded. Yeah. It's just. I just, I think it's so frustrating um, that. You can turn around and just use the expense, use the excuse of like, well, I'm straight they're fill in the blank, gay, lesbian, bi, trans, etc. I felt threatened or uncomfortable, just uncomfortable, not even threatened. I felt uncomfortable by the fact that they didn't disclose this to me and I was come on to 
So I killed them. And now I get to only serve 22 years in prison. Mm-mm. So, and the thing is, like you said earlier, like, please tell me that this isn't a thing anymore. Like the fact that still today, yeah. it can still be used as an excuse in most of the country is really, really frustrating. Now, I do know just from, again, just from my own research and just from, you know, whatever, it is not used often because it does take a lot for people to be able to prove gay yes. panic defense. But um, it it can, and that's the problem, is that it can be used, and that's a problem. So, well, good good job, good story. Thank you, thank you. So, makes me sad. Like I said, call your Congress people. <laughs> Get things moving. Get things moving. Tell them to move it along. Let's flip. Get their flip. heads out of their asses. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, that does it for another episode of Bad Crime Stories. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all so much for being uh, wonderful, loyal, and uh, glorious, beautiful humans that uh, love us as much as we love you. Mm-hmm. Um, and for sticking around with us for over a year. Weird. We've been doing this for over a year, which is really exciting. And some of you guys have been here from the very, very beginning. And we appreciate you all so much. Um, just as much as we appreciate our brand newbie noobs. So yes. thank you guys too for joining us on this journey. Mm-hmm. And um, please find us on social meds. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at bed crime stories. If you have any story ideas that you would like to see made yeah. onto the pod, give us an email. We haven't had a story. We haven't in a while, really a long time. So um, if you guys want, we've, we have like a rash of like a bunch come through it like once. Yeah. And then we haven't had one for a while. So let's do um, it. Let's do it. Yeah. Go ahead and send in your story requests. And again, like I said, if you guys have a preference on which one of us tells your story, it could be myself. It could be Nikki. It could be Jovi. You know, it take could a be, pick. it could be one of the dogs. It could be one of the dogs. <laughs> yes. Hello. Yes, exactly. It will be a weird episode. But we'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. Um, but yeah, so you can. Oh, I didn't tell you where you can email us at. So oh. you, can, you can either private message us on Instagram or you can send us an email. The email is bedcrimestoriespod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. And that's how you can find us to send us your story suggestions. Um, again, thank you guys so much for listening. We love you all so, so much. Please be kind to one another. Dear Lord, please be kind to one another. Make the world yes. a better place because it sucks right now. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, I guess that's it. We'll see you guys next week. And until then, sweet dreams. Stop. What did I stop? I didn't stop. <laughs> stop. Can you? How put... am I not stopping? Why isn't that stopping? Oh, <laughs> just hitting record over and over again like an idiot. Stop. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.